This is an unacceptable escalation. Tonight, when a full-scale strike by SkyTrain workers could shut down the entire system. Plus... The violence and stuff that's happened here, it's ridiculous. Fires and now disturbing new crime stats at the Oppenheimer Park homeless camp. Why neighbours are fed up and... This is character assassination. A case of mistaken identity prompts an NPA councillor to quit the party, citing anti-Soji politics. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, thanks for joining us. Next week's commute could get ugly. Unionized SkyTrain workers gave 72-hour strike notice yesterday, and today they announced details of their strike plan, a full-scale SkyTrain shutdown by Tuesday. Our Jill Bennett joins us live at the Lake City Station in Burnaby tonight. Jill, a similar situation was avoided recently with bus drivers, and all hope is not lost in this situation. Well, Colleen, the transit alerts on the screens at this station are already saying there will be no SkyTrain for three days this coming week. However, both sides remain at the bargaining table, so there is still some hope. Now, as for why the union chose to go with a full shutdown rather than an escalating kind of job action, they said if they were to do something like an overtime ban, it would put both riders and workers at risk. Come Tuesday morning, these turnstiles could be quiet and behind locked gates. We need to get a deal done end of this weekend or Monday night. If no deal is reached between the BC Rapid Transit Company and QP7000, which represents about 900 SkyTrain workers, there will be a full shutdown of the system for three days starting at 5 a.m. Tuesday morning. It's a move TransLink calls unacceptable. The public should not be used as pawns in these labour negotiations. This is an unacceptable escalation uh, and it is going to cause an enormous amount of disruption on the Expo and Millennium lines. About 150,000 people use SkyTrain every weekday. For some, there is no other option. It will be bad, inconvenient, but there are buses that work and, like, honestly, the, there are good reasons for the strike. If SkyTrain shut down, it's a big problem. It's terrible. From here to Burnaby to Vancouver, it's so difficult to get like buses, so it's going to be a big impact for me. The union says after almost 50 days of bargaining, including mediation, a deal should have been reached by now, but there are still some major sticking points. We're talking about forced overtime. Uh, wages is definitely uh, on the table, but our staffing levels is uh, another big sticking point. But I suspect their collective agreement um, it does not have voluntary overtime. It is compulsory, must mm -hmm. do. Uh, there may be seniority applications to it. The last time SkyTrain workers went on strike was for one day in 1999. The issue then was also wages. As for what will happen if the strike goes ahead on Tuesday. Uh, we are looking at contingency planning now and what might be able to occur, but it's very limited. So even with some additional buses and those contingency plans, if this goes ahead, it is going to be very disruptive for people who use SkyTrain. However, TransLink is reminding riders and customers this is a SkyTrain shutdown only. So if you use Canada Line, if you use the C-Bus or buses, West Coast Express or HandyDart, those services will all be operating as usual. This will only affect SkyTrain. Colleen? All right, Jill, thanks for that.
Richmond RCMP are investigating a pedestrian fatality on Highway 99 north of the Steveston overpass. Officials say the call came in at around 6.30 this morning. Police aren't providing many details about the circumstances of the incident. Southbound lanes were blocked for several hours but have since reopened. Vancouver police are appealing for witnesses after a pedestrian was seriously injured in a hit and run last month. Just after 7 o'clock on the night of November 29th, a 51-year-old man was struck near Caslow and Franklin Streets in East Vancouver. Police say the driver fled the scene without stopping. The victim was found in the middle of the road screaming in pain. He remains in hospital with serious injuries. Police are hoping the public can help track down the vehicle and the driver involved. Police are specifically looking for anyone with dash camera in their vehicle between 7 and 7.15 p.m. on November 29th. We're looking for anyone who has video that may have been traveling on Caslow or Renfrew streets between McGill and Hastings or driving on Hastings between Caslow and Renfrew streets. A number of arrests have been made in connection with another shooting in Surrey overnight. RCMP were initially called to a home on 139A Street near 108th Avenue for reports of gunfire. The investigation led officers to another residence just down the street where at least six people, including two minors, were arrested. No one was injured in the shooting. Shortly before five in the morning, uh, we received a report of shots fired at a residence. Uh, we arrived and confirmed that, in fact, some uh, some shots had been fired at a at a home in the area on 139A Street here in Surrey. As a result of our investigation, we determined that there was a, another home of interest to us, and um, in uh, relation to that home, we have taken uh, several individuals into custody. A day after the city of Vancouver expressed deepening concern for the safety of campers in Oppenheimer Park, stats obtained by Global News show police calls to the park have increased by more than 50 percent this year. But as Kristen Robinson reports, the park board won't say whether it will reconsider an injunction to return the park to the public violence and stuff that's happened here it's ridiculous since the start of 2019 nigel baker has watched his neighborhood park of 13 years deteriorate you got people being raped in here you got people being stabbed people being shot police calls to oppenheimer park up 53 percent between january and the end of october this year over the same time in 2018 including two sex assaults <laughs> Shots fired up 800%, assaults in progress up 17%, weapons calls tripling from 18 to 54, a 200% spike. While assault reports are down 22% and fights have decreased by 45%, the public space still a no-go zone for many. The city, alarmed after two recent fires believed to have been sparked by campers making a potentially deadly decision to keep warm with propane heaters and barbecues. I'm afraid someone's going to die. Uh, it's getting colder. Campers were served eviction notices in August. When not everyone moved, the park board voted against forcing people out with a court order. It's ridiculous. All this, all this says is that anybody, if you have enough people, can go and just appropriate a piece of land in the city. What we're doing now is not working. When asked whether it believes the collaborative decampment approach is working and whether it would reconsider an injunction, the park board sent a statement saying it's working toward a solution that will support people and address community safety. 
unless one of the other Park Board Commissioners changes their mind, we don't even get to vote on it again. It's been a million dollars so far in 2019. The cost to manage the park soaring, with the city set to vote on budgeting another one million in 2020. City Council had no control of that. We're left holding the bag on the expenses. I used to be homeless too a long time ago, so I mean, I sympathize. Like, you just can't go set up shop in a public park. But in Vancouver, it seems you can. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The winter counterattack campaign is in full swing. Burnaby RCMP are out in full force pulling drivers over at checkpoints across the city. Police are ramping up efforts this month to catch those driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol. More than half of impaired related crashes happen on weekends between 9 p.m. and 3 a.m. The message from police? Plan for a safe ride home or plan to be caught. There's an average of 68 British Columbians killed at the hands of impaired drivers each and every year. And uh, that could be as a result of uh, being impaired by drugs, alcohol or medications. So we're out here trying to do our part and make the road safer tonight. A rough escape from police out of Kamloops, Mr. Lube smashing into several other vehicles in the process. Now, the woman accused of taking a stolen vehicle on a destructive joyride in Kamloops Friday has been arrested and charged. The SUV had been reported stolen from Surrey. The vehicle was found abandoned in a few blocks away. 21-year-old Kirsten Peters was arrested in Chilliwack eight hours later. She appeared in court today, charged with dangerous driving assaulting and resisting a police officer, failing to stop, and possessing stolen property. Our very own Paul Hasem and Jordan Armstrong, along with Me Too Garcha, topping up coffee and juice for the thousands of people who turned up for the 79th annual Union Gospel Christmas Dinner. An estimated 2,500 meals were served to those in need and living on the downtown east side. And it's more than just the meal that's featured. Homeless numbers are at the highest that they've ever been, and we just heard yesterday that food prices are going up in 2020. And so people are feeling desperate around this time of year. Um, people are also feeling lonely. People tell us that the worst thing about being homeless at Christmas is being homeless at Christmas while being alone. And so people are needing that connection, so that's why we're doing this meal here today. The feast includes 2,000 pounds of turkey, 800 pounds of mashed potatoes, and 300 liters of gravy. Well, it has become a problem throughout our province, and now the city of Kelowna is cracking down on the number of short-term rentals operating illegally. It believes there are hundreds of people renting out their homes without the proper license. Jules Knox reports on what the city plans to do about it and the costs involved. And then these are modest rooms. Eight years ago, Cherie Hansen found herself strapped for cash. The financial Titanic situation. And I'm just sitting here going, what am I going to do? And I looked around, the resource I have is my house. At the yard. Hansen has been renting out two bedrooms ever since. She's licensed, but not everybody is. According to the city of Kelowna, five months after a short-term rental license became officially required, more than 800 people still don't have one. And the city says finding unlicensed operators is labor-intensive. So it's hiring a company to do the work. The company itself has like a, a hundred individuals that identify these properties, um, but they do so, of course, with um, a variety of contracts in, in over 200 municipalities in North America. The price take on that, about $100,000 a year. 
But the city says it won't be coming out of the taxpayer's pocket. It expects to cover the cost through licensing fees. Prices vary, but typically run a short-term rental operator between $350 to $750 for the year, more than triple the cost of Vancouver's. My people. For Hansen, who paid less than 30 bucks for a business license for years, it's too much. For those of us who are seniors, and the largest percentage of Airbnb operators in Kelowna are seniors who are open about 60 days a year, raising the business license that much really hurts us. The city says that in the fall, it sent out hundreds of warning letters to unlicensed operators. And we're seeing some positive uh, results from that. People are, are recognizing that they've been caught and they're now coming in and, and uh, looking to see what they have to do to license up for 2020. The city hasn't issued any fines yet, but says they're coming and they're hefty at $500 a day. If someone has several fines, the city says it plans to pursue court action going after amounts up to $10,000. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. Vancouver Councillor Rebecca Bly has resigned from the NPA, claiming members of the party's board are connected to anti-SOGI beliefs. Her decision was based in part on a photo of a person who, as it turns out, was misidentified. Nadia Stewart has more on what the parties are saying about the mix-up. This is character assassination. These people have defamed me. I mean, this is, this is not good. Ray Goldenchild is a newbie to Vancouver's political scene, but he's already caught in the middle of his first scandal. Now he's speaking up, clearing his name of what he calls embarrassing and false accusations. This is a form of racial discrimination. This is not okay. This is not okay in Vancouver. Goldenchild won a seat on the Nonpartisan Association's board at the annual general meeting in November. He was then nominated party secretary along with Phyllis Tang, who was nominated treasurer. That's when news reports began surfacing, saying Goldenchild and Tang have connections to social conservative and anti-SOGI groups, one of which endorsed him when he ran for a seat on the park board in 2018. Goldenchild says he never made any anti-SOGI statements. No one's ever asked my opinion on Soji. Nobody's ever uh, interviewed me on Soji, so I don't know where they would be getting this information. I've certainly never said anything regarding Soji. Then on Friday, this photo began circulating on social media. A reporter from News 1130 claiming a source confirmed the man in the yellow striped shirt was Ray Goldenchild. And that last fall, he attended what was dubbed an anti-Soji meeting. But Global News obtained more photos from that night showing the man's face. It was not Ray Goldenchild. How are you, Ray Goldenchild? Ron. Ron? Yes. Nice to meet nice you, to Ron. Meet you. To know that he was wrongly accused, I couldn't sit back and not say anything about it. Global News was able to track down Ron Haley, the man in the photo. He says the so-called anti-SOGI meeting is being blown out of proportion, and this case of mistaken identity is unacceptable. We all don't look alike. It's believed the allegations surrounding this photo is part of the reason why Vancouver City Councillor Rebecca Bly left the NPA, choosing to sit as an independent, citing concerns the party was veering to the right. I think that board has taken a socially conservative uh, step to the right, and uh, some of those values that I hold near and dear to my heart are um, up for debate. News 1130 has since issued a correction. Goldenchild says the focus now is on getting back to work on the NPA's executive, now that the allegations 
have been proven false. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Tragedy in northern Alberta, where five people, including three children, have been found dead in a house fire. It happened in a tiny town about 100 kilometers northwest of Edmonton. As Chris Chacon reports, it's hitting the small community hard. Among the charred debris from a deadly house fire in this small community, evidence of the young lives lost, swings and a child's small bicycle. Five people, two adults and three children were found dead on Friday morning. The horrific incident is something Michelle Trujic will never forget. All of us, we are all devastated. We just cannot get it through our head. Like, it's still shock. Like, how can this happen? Why did this happen? Firefighters fought for hours, but the home was destroyed. What we are hearing from neighbors is that 82-year-old Marvin Gibbs and his wife Janet lived in the home with their three grandchildren. They say they range from ages two to six. Robert Hook lives across the street from the couple. He says he knew Marvin for roughly 20 years and worked with him as a volunteer firefighter. Hook says Gibbs had an old wood-burning stove in the home. He believes it was located where the fire may have sparked. I think that could be a factor, but I'm not sure. But like that, that stove had been running quite a bit. The fire is under investigation. Police say there's nothing to indicate the fire is criminal, but they can't rule that out. But at this point in time, we can say that uh, we have ruled out any, any suspicion. The deaths have hit the residents of this area hard. I think it's, any, when you lose any life, it's a tragedy, but when you, use a life, when you lose any lives that have never had a chance to, to live, basically, at all, um, you know, it's, it's even worse. Residents say they would like to come together and support the family in some capacity. There are no details if and when a memorial is planned. A Canadian man who was detained in Turkey last year has now been charged by the RCMP with terror-related offenses. 20-year-old, 22-year-old Ikar Mao appeared in court in Brampton, Ontario. He's charged with participating in terrorist activities and leaving Canada to join a terrorist group. In July, the 22-year-old and his wife were taken into custody in Turkey near the Syrian border, accused of having propaganda from the so-called Islamic State on his phone. He was released, returned to Canada, and was arrested at his home. If convicted, each charge carries a maximum sentence of 10 years. Outrage in India is spreading around the world tonight after a 23-year-old rape victim has died after being set on fire by a gang of men. The woman's death and a similar case has sparked protests. And as Jennifer Johnson reports, it's brought international attention to the plight of women. New Delhi police used water cannons to disperse protesters as outrage over the rape and murder of a 23-year-old woman flared up across the country. The victim died of cardiac arrest in the hospital after being set on fire by a gang of men, which included her alleged rapist. She was on her way to court. Protesters are furious the prime minister has remained silent as the world learns of another violent attack on an Indian woman. The victim's father says his family is being told to stay quiet. We have been threatened, the man says, told to back off. All five suspects are in custody. This case gaining international attention just days after police shot four men being held on suspicion of raping and killing a 27-year-old veterinarian. Hundreds of people gathered at that site, showering police with flower petals and praising their actions. I appeal to all Indian police 
follow the Telangana police. Government figures show Indian police recorded over 32,000 rape cases in 2017. But the real figure is believed to be much higher because many women don't report cases to police out of fear. I'm feeling happy that uh, this was the end we all wanted for them. But this end was uh, to be supposed, supposed to be through the legal system. Still, this victim's sister is relieved the suspects are dead. I feel very happy for it and I, I think this would be an example and nobody will even think of doing it. While some hope the deaths of these suspects will be a deterrent, the family of the 23-year-old rape and murder victim is not as hopeful. Police are promising a speedy trial for her five suspects, but that kind of justice may require worldwide pressure. Jennifer Johnson, Global News. The strikes against proposed changes to France's retirement system are causing massive chaos for weekend travelers. Most trains remain at a standstill with tourists and shoppers facing delays on subway lines. The government is telling residents they're going to have to work longer to collect pensions. Truckers are also protesting a planned reduction in tax breaks on diesel. Hundreds of climate protesters blocked streets in Madrid today while climate leaders met nearby. The demonstration is part of Extinction Rebellion's green movement aimed at tackling the global climate crisis. In the U.S., Pacific Gas and Electric has reached a $13.5 billion settlement with victims of a number of Northern California wildfires. According to the utility, the agreement will resolve all major claims related to fires going back to 2015 caused by outdated equipment and negligence. And take a look at this powerful video of a cliff collapsing in New Zealand today. A resident captured the video after a local state of emergency was declared following a river flooding. Authorities expect further rainfall this weekend and have alerted residents to be ready to evacuate on a moment's notice. Zimbabwe's Victoria Falls draws millions of spectators every year, but the worst drought in a century has reduced the falls to a trickle, fueling fears that climate change could kill one of the region's biggest tourist attractions. While they typically slow during the dry season, officials say this year's drought has brought an unprecedented decline in water levels. In Health Matters tonight, a bittersweet moment this week for a Maple Ridge family. They received letters from two of the people who received life-saving organs from their daughter who was killed in the summer in a car crash. The heart continues to perform miracles every day. My family is amazed at how well I have recovered only after a few months. 23-year-old Madeline Stroop and her boyfriend Hayden Turcott died when their pickup truck was struck by an SUV in Abbotsford on July 26th. Madeline's organs were donated to five people. Her mother and eldest sister wrote letters to those recipients and almost immediately they received heartwarming responses from two of them. When we did receive the letters it was very, it felt really good to know that they're doing well and that they're very thankful for the letters and um, they, they believe it's like a miracle. Um, it was a heart recipient and a liver uh, recipient. On Sunday, members of Madeline's family will be getting tattoos in her memory. Flu season is having its earliest start in almost two decades. A strain that affects mostly children and people under 50 is currently circulating. This type of flu doesn't usually hit until March or April. Some health experts say that the early start to the season means the season will be more severe, while others say it's too early to tell.
you can't have Christmas without Star Trek, right? <laughs> Well, that is certainly true for one New Brunswick man. His rather unusual Christmas decorations right after the forecast, Kasia. It looks like they're getting a bit of snow in uh, New Maybe Brunswick right know. now. Yeah, snow. Well, active weather right across the country. I'm going to give you a bit of a national forecast as well, but he has his Christmas Star Trek. We have our Christmas crane to show you here uh, behind the lights, and it's starting to clear out a little bit. We're not seeing as much fog and drizzle at this point, but the chance is still there through the night. We're sitting at 8. Our overall, our daytime high today was 9, and what a day it was. Wasn't that just so pretty? Drizzle all day. Stewart Park, not much different over there. A daytime high of five. We're going to be clearing out through the overnight as well. And essentially what's been happening for the southern half of the province, we were sandwiched between two systems, the Arctic front sagging south, another system coming in from the south. And then this area right here, that's the ridge of high pressure that's going to be building, taking hold of the province and preventing this one from moving in until your Tuesday. So that's the overall weather picture. The national outlook, though, so our snowfall warnings today, they've migrated east. Now they're in Alberta, 10 to 20 centimeters of snow over there. And these blue spots here, these are extreme cold weather warnings. Northern Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and northwestern Ontario. We are talking overnight lows, minus 45 to minus 50. And these are base temperatures. These aren't just your wind chill values, right? So that's no exaggeration. Speaking of wind chills, though, here's your wind chill forecast. So we're looking at minus 25 in some places along the Trans-Canada Highway, so further south, but more populated areas. Dangerously cold in some places. Meanwhile, back here at home tomorrow, we are expecting a daytime high of around 8, 9 degrees, another mild day in store. We'll call it variable cloudiness. I think we might get a sunny break here and there, but some models are still showing a fair amount of cloud cover for us. So here's your future has for the entire province. The system continues to migrate to the south and it exits the region through the overnight. So still a chance of showers or even flurries depending on where you are for the southern interior through the night. But then tomorrow clearing out and that's the overall weather picture right across the province. You're going to see a lot of sunshine in the next three days here including in the Peace River region. A chance of light snow tonight though and a sun cloud mix. Overnight lows it's going to feel like the minus 20s in the morning as well. A wind chill of minus 13 tonight and on your Sunday in Whitehorse otherwise a sun cloud mix and minus 5 is your high. The North Coast fair weather conditions over the next two. Still windy though. It's not until Tuesday that we're expecting the comeback of rain from that system that I showed you. A wind chill of minus 14 tonight in the Caribou and the Central Interior. Now you know that's not so bad compared to what's happening in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Columbia and the Kootenai. It's your rain and your flurries that are going to be tapering off through the overnight. Tomorrow a sun cloud mix. Sun and clouds for you in the Thompson Okanagan tomorrow. Monday plenty of sunshine as well. Still a few showers tonight possible by the way. Whistler, a chance of drizzle tonight, then clearing out. And we may see that drizzle also on Vancouver Island. Slight chance of showers. Tomorrow, it's going to be mainly sunny, uh, mainly cloudy skies, as we have that risk as well in Metro Vancouver for tomorrow. But moving forward, clearing out. Colleen. Alrighty, thanks so much, Kesha. Well, tis the season for festive displays, but a man in New Brunswick is doing something out of this world with his. As Shelley Steves reports, he is boldly going where, well, none of his neighbors have gone before. When Moncton's Martin Ahern flicks on his Christmas lights, no question, it's out of this world. I was the average person that put up a few strings of lights. And then for some reason, I started to add little things here and there, and it kind of grew from there. 
what developed into an obsession may seem highly illogical to some. Like why he spent days putting together this towering tree equipped with nearly 3,000 individually programmable lights. This is the hopper here. Or this candy cane assembly line of lights he spent hours designing and building from scratch. It goes up the conveyor belt into the cooker here, which is rotating. Walk through his yard and you quickly realize that resisting his obsession is futile and set your phasers to stun. Because once you get out back, you boldly go to where possibly no one has gone before. So people are kind of, you know, shocked and amazed to see it. Hovering uncloaked over his yard. I made a, uh, a replica of the Enterprise, is 16 feet long. Ahern spent eight months handcrafting this mothership based on the original Star Trek series to near perfect scale. It's held together with wood and duct tape and designed right down to the smallest detail. They call these, I believe, bassards, which is the, the front part of these nacelles. And they have a bunch of Christmas lights in them. Uh, and those are all controlled with this controller here that they come on in different sequences. I tried to program it close to the original with the original colors and the saucer is in four sections and everything comes apart because you can't build that all in one piece in the house. For trekkers who drive by, it's like Christmas has come early. You can't have Christmas without Star Trek, right? <laughs> and the creation earned this Captain of Christmas, the Neighbor of the Year title from Children on the Block. It's gratifying to, to see that, that people appreciate it and, and that, you know, it gives you that oomph to go on and do it next year and add a little bit more. Go ahead and give her all she's got, Captain. Shelly Steves, Global News, Moncton. I can't imagine what he's going to do next year to add to it. Yes. Steam me up, Santa. Mm. Yeah, he is putting okay. a little pressure like that? on. Yeah, that's very good. Or is that a Star, Star Wars? No, I, okay. Uh, I'm not Steam sure. me up is yeah, Star, yeah, Star, Star Trek. Yeah, I'm on the right track. <laughs> nanu, Nanu, no, that's no. not. No, no. <laughs> I know, I know. No, he's putting a lot of pressure on the, the oh, rest the, of the, the neighborhood. neighborhood. Yeah. You know, homeowners. No you know. kidding. Just a couple of lights doesn't really cut it anymore, does it? Uh, I'm going to talk some Canucks. A little uh, matinee action this afternoon against the Sabres. And uh, kind of good news, bad news. The Canucks, they're very good at blowing leads this year. But the good thing is you have to have a lead, you know, to give up. But they did come back and win in overtime. Good, exciting game. So we'll have highlights of that coming up. Nice. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Barry. Okay, um, we showed you the guy in New Brunswick with the amazing yes, Star, Star Trek. Trek yeah. Okay, well, there's a couple in Germany who have done something amazing, too. Judges in Germany say that this couple has broken a world record by having the most decorated Christmas trees in one place. Have a look at this. Their home in northwest Germany is decorated from top to bottom with a total of 350 Christmas trees, and none are alike. Yeah, the couple used at least 10,000 ornaments and 300 strings of lights to decorate all these trees. I haven't even got one decorated yet, Barry. That was their goal, to break the record. Who knew there was a record Who for something like that? Who knew there was like a that? record? We'll bring it up. We're bringing you the Christmas tonight. Yeah. That's for sure. All right, let me talk some, uh, <laughs> some hockey, because that's holiday stuff, too, around here, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks, Colleen. The Sabres and Canucks, expansion cousins, entered the NHL a half century ago. And even though the Sabres won the coin flip and got Gilbert Perrault with the first overall selection. Both franchises are still searching for their first Stanley Cup. The odds of that streak being broken this year is remote, but they did meet this afternoon at Rogers Arena. Both teams are certainly at least in the playoff hunt this season. It was 80s day at Rogers Arena. Stan Smeal rocking the flying V from the 82 Cup run. 
Harold Snaps, Thomas Gradine, Darcy Rhoda, Richard Berdur also joining in. Canucks going with the flying skate jersey during the game. Josh Levo opens the scoring, firing one past Carter Hutton. 1-0 Canucks after one. Second period, Canucks add another. Tyler Myers with the shot and Antoine Roussel, just his second game back from the serious knee injury, scores for the second time in two games. But the Canucks and Leeds have not gotten along well this year. And on cue, Sabres get two quick ones. Sam Reinhart got a piece of this Rasmus Ristolainen shot to tie it at two, but late second, Sabre turnover, and it's Levo and Pedersen with the nice give and go. Pedersen teeing it up for Levo, who scores his second of the game, sixth of the year, 3 2. Vancouver, but on a late power play, Sabres draw even again. Reinhardt down low, nice feed across to Victor Olofsson. 3-3 after two. Third period, Canucks shorthanded, but J.T. Miller, nice play to take the pass. And then finds big Tyler Myers, who buries his first as a Canuck. Great hustle to join the rush. And you can read his lits. It's about time. 4-3 Vancouver. And then they add another, Jake Bertanen. Low shot off the wing. Big rebound to Roussel, who just can't miss. Third goal in two games. What a spark he has been. 5-3 Canucks late in the game. Bo Horvat takes this hit to the head. No penalty, but later he was taken out of the game for concussion protocol and didn't return. Sabres made it 5-4, and then with the goalie out, lots of pressure. They had the Canucks hemmed in for over a minute, and finally Jack Eichel tees it up for Marcus Johansson, who fires it past Thatcher Demko. 5-5, another blown lead. We need overtime in OT. Canucks get a power play and the big boys come through. Quinn Hughes right into the wheelhouse of J.T. Miller who powders it to the top corner. Miller's team leading 13th. Canucks keep scoring buckets of goals. They needed every one of them today. Big win, 6-5 over the Sabres in overtime. Well, it's fun. It's uh, for sure the roller coaster. I mean, like... Uh, I was hoping like after 5-3 five, uh, five, we could uh, shut the game down, but uh, I mean we got to learn from that. You know, I felt fine on the ice. I, I had a couple of shifts, I think, uh, or one or two shifts right after that. So um, yeah, obviously they, they didn't like you know something about the uh, situation to pull me back in. They were trying to keep players safe and, and um, you know they got to do their job too. Canucks host the Leafs Tuesday. Tonight, possible Stanley Cup Finals matchup. Avalanche and Bruins, second period tied 1-1. Ian Cole steps into one, blows it past Yaroslav Halak. First of the year for Cole. That was quite a shot. And then late in the second, Andre Burakovsky, the former capital, resurrecting his career in Colorado this year. That made it 3-1, 4-1 the final. Bruins' first regulation home loss this season. All right, some winter sports. World Cup moguls from Finland. Season opening race. Nobody takes a run down the freestyle moguls course better than Michael Kingsbury. 100th World Cup race today. And the defending champ ripping it up in his second run today. Second place heading into the final run, but he was so good. He wins it with a 90.80 score in 100 races. 82 podium finishes, 57 World Cup victories. Digest that for a moment. Eight out of ten times he hits the podium. That's amazing. Meanwhile, Kaylee Humphreys made her debut for Team USA today in Women's World Cup bobsled. It's been two years since she's competed for Canada, got into a dispute with the Federation over a harassment claim she made against the Canadian organization and ultimately got her release from Canada. She married an American and is now taking her skills to the ice track for USA, and she won her debut race today in Lake Placid. 
two-time Olympic gold medalist for Canada. The top Canadian sled today was fifth. By the way, in the men's race, Summerlin's Justin Cripps won the bronze. And Dubai Rugby Sevens women's gold medal match succeeded Canada, taking on number three New Zealand. A great start for the Canadians. Back-to-back tries late in the first half. Julia Greenshields powers her way in. 14-5 Canada at the break, but New Zealand comes back. Canada led by two late in the match, but the Black Ferns score the winning try with just under three seconds to play, under 30 seconds to play, rather. They win at 17-14. Second place finish for Canada. The men, by the way, were 10th. Welcome back. The Seahawks are back in prime time tomorrow night when they visit the Rams in Los Angeles. A win does a couple of things. It solidifies Seattle's place atop the NFC West, and it would essentially eliminate the Rams from the playoffs. More from our wild card in the red zone, Chanel. A winner ties Sunday night, and the Seahawks will clinch a playoff spot. But at 10 and 2, they have their sights set on bigger things: the number one seed and a first-round bye. But the Hawks do face a desperate Rams side because another loss for LA and their postseason dreams are essentially over. The Rams have alternated wins and losses in their last five games. The offense did come to life last week, though, scoring 34 points versus a bad Arizona side. But it has struggled prior to that, averaging just 12 points in the previous three weeks. LA has had success versus Seattle, though, averaging 35 points in their last four meetings. Jared Goff comes in off a 424-yard passing game performance with a couple of touchdowns, and he has three straight 300-yard games versus the Seahawks. He'll look to take advantage of a pass defense ranking fourth last and notorious for giving up big plays. The defense starting to play better six sacks last week versus Arizona, and Aaron Donald has always been a thorn in the side of Russell Wilson. Ten and a half sacks in 11 career games versus the Hawks, He'll look to exploit Seattle's depleted offensive line Sunday night. The run game has been firing on all cylinders, almost 400 yards in the last two games and averaging 167 yards in the last five all-victories. Now, Seattle is ranked number three on the ground, led by Chris Carson. The Hawks are 5-0 when Carson runs for 100 yards or more this season. The defense still in the bottom third, allowing 370 yards a game, most of that number through the air. The secondary needs to keep tabs on Robert Woods, who had 13 catches, 172 yards last week. Now up front, the Hawks need more pressure on the quarterback. No sacks last week, just 23 this season, fourth worst overall. The Seahawks have lost three of the last four to the Rams, but are a one-point favorite. Now they're 6-0 on the road, and under Pete Carroll have won 29 of 35 games played in prime time. Final round of the Hero World Challenge from the Bahamas. Tiger Woods started the day in third, just two off the lead. Tiger had a good front side. This approach at the seventh is nice and close, led to a birdie. Tiger actually had the lead, but he stalled from there, ended up finishing fourth at 14 under. It was Henrik Stenson who won it, thanks to this incredible second shot at the par 5 15th. From 260 yards, crushes 
the fairway metal and almost holes out here for an albatross. One of the rarest shots in golf, a two on a par five. But he taps in for the eagle. Only one of three non-Americans in the 18-man field. Stenson wins posting 18 under. Tiger now heads to Australia for the President's Cup. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford plays on the international team. That'll be fun. All right, English Premiership Liverpool at Bournemouth, and the Reds had no problems staying unbeaten. First half, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain running on to the long cross, volleys it in, and it's 1-0 Liverpool. Head to the second half, now 2-0. This time it's Mo Salah showing his skill, finishing beautifully with the left foot. 3-0 the final. Liverpool now 15 wins and one draw through 16 matches, looking untouchable. Manchester City needing to win to keep pace, hosting Man United in the Manchester Derby. Already 1-0 United, and they'll add to the lead. Anthony Martial just finds the corner there to make it 2-0 United at the half. City desperate, get one back in the 85th. Off the corner, Nicholas Otamendi will head it in, but City falls 2-1, and they are now 14 points back of Liverpool. Still a long way to go, but that's a lot of ground to make up. And Harry Kane and Tottenham in search of their sixth straight win at home, hosting Burnley, already up 2-0. And check this out, Son Hung Min from his own 18-yard line. It's like a video game, went through the entire team. Beautiful goal, that made it 3-0. Spurs win it 5-0. Their third win in four matches uh, under Jose Mourinho. But that is one of the great goals of the uh, season. You dream about scoring one like that. Video game. You took the words yeah. out of my mouth. That's what it looked like. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, Barry. Here's your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb picked up some fresh snow. Now a snow base of 38 centimeters, 28 at Grouse and 20 at Cypress. Revelstoke has a healthy 124 centimeters of snow on the ground. Fernie has 71.5. Taking Horse, 108 centimeters of snow. Sun Peaks has 70. Apex open today with 69 centimeters of snow on the ground. Red Mountain and Baldy open up this coming Thursday. Okay, Ryan Reynolds is back to his old tricks, making people laugh while plugging his gin brand. <laughs> A Peloton? Yeah, Reynolds has taken advantage of the backlash against this commercial for Peloton. Critics blasted the idea of a husband giving his wife an exercise bike for Christmas. Heavens. <laughs> so Reynolds hired the same actress for a commercial he posted on his Twitter feed, hinting that she had dumped the husband. You're safe here. To new beginnings. To new, to new beginnings. There you go. It's gonna be a fun night. There you go. Take this too. Really? Mm hmm. You look great, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's clever. Uh -huh. Ryan's good. He's a funny fun. guy. Yeah. And yeah. a rich guy. And he can do what he wants. Guy. He can do what he wants. <laughs> we're happy with him. Just tire the um, Last word on weather? Yeah, we're gonna be clearing out through the overnight. Yay! Yay! That's great. No more yes. rain. Thanks for joining us.